Hello and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, and my wonderful co-host, Philip. Unfortunately, Kent can't be here this week. He is busy protesting outside the telecommunication ombudsman's office. Anyway, on with the show. Philip, how are you? Quite well, Mr. Drew. Quite well indeed. Um, yes, Kent is there on behalf of me. Uh, my ongoing internet issues are giving me the absolute Ooh. heebie-jeebies. Ah, How are you? I'm thrilled for hearing you use the phrase heebie-jeebies on our show. Oh, yes. I, I, I would have yeah, said they were, they were giving you the pip. They were um, ticking, ticking the you off. The poopity scoop. Um, yes. In, in, to, to quote Kanye West... They're giving me the poopity scoop. Poopity poop. Precisely. Poop, poop. Yes. Mm, Indubitably. Indeed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway. Um, yes, today's, today's, today's show. Today's show. It is one of those uh, several, one of those four, I should say, that are being recorded without my presence, which is unusual to say in that I am here talking now with Mr. Drusif himself, but uh, I'm not here at the time of this technically being uploaded. So we are exactly. Yes. So here we are pre-recording once again, even though this isn't a live podcast, we are doing this now. Indeed. So three weeks ago, we recorded this episode and how were we feeling that night? Okay, uh, quite good. Um, off air, off air three weeks ago, we were discussing things along the lines of The Office, um, because it's a show that you just finished watching, the, the US Office. Um, t- yeah, t- well, today, tonight, now. Uh, yeah. And uh, we were discussing that a little bit off, off air, uh, and we were also discussing the fact that we had watched... Back to the Future last night because we were showing our dearest Venya an ep- uh, the, the movie because she'd never no, seen she it before. Hadn't. In all the insanity of not seeing it. She so we had to it, rectify so. that and yep. we figured, given our little bit of uh, time travel with our show this week, being three weeks ago, we thought a bit of a time travel theme would be fun, but we'll get onto that in a little while. First things first, The Office. I finished the show Philip, yes. are you proud? I finished The Office. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very thankful that you did it and you watched it. Um, you even pu- uh, pushed through the last two seasons, which I wasn't personally a massive fan on. Was a bit, bit, bit disappointed. I it had its highlights, but really uh, more blasé or least or less interesting than the other ones, and a bit sad for the show. But nonetheless, you pushed on, and yeah, well done. Well done. How do you how do you feel? Oh, I feel a bit of everything. Um, I was very sad, I've told you already. The last three or four episodes, I, I was getting a bit upset and emotional because this roller coaster of a show was coming to an end, and I knew it was coming to an end, and I didn't want it to, but at the same time, I did because the quality, as you say, just rapidly declines, but also kind of wavers as well. There are these little gems in there. But unfortunately, I think the thing that that drives me insane more than anything is the fact that they change the characteristics of certain characters. Well, actually, most characters. 
Yeah, I would say most characters changed. I, um, I had no understanding as to why they would do it. And it made the actions of these characters in previous seasons just seem null and void. Andy was the biggest one of all for me. I, I didn't understand all the effort that they went through developing his character only to make him regress and then somehow magically come back to his senses within the last five minutes of his time on the show. What's what's really interesting is that so one of the reasons why he was so absent throughout the season, uh, the last season yep. I think, he was so absent throughout, is because he was off filming The Hangover Three. So that's why he was so sporadic Man, in his appearances. Poor choice. I mean, I I like mm. The Hangover Three, yeah. but it's not a good movie. So no, exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the the show, I feel like they because of the lack of Michael Scott in there, uh, Steve Carell on there, they made everyone else kind of fill the void of the stupidity that Michael Scott showed. However, when you have characters that... People often say that the TV show is from the point of view of Jim. That's long been kind of the, the fan theory, is that it's from the point of view of Jim, and you see Jim's opinion or view of everyone on there, not necessarily you know through his eyes, but you're seeing Jim's opinion of Phyllis, Jim's opinion of Dwight, Jim's opinion of Pam... Um, and so suddenly when we get to the last two seasons, that completely throws that idea out the window because even Jim becomes an idiot because everyone's an idiot now because everyone's, everyone's kind of, yes, they, they, they taking they a little changed, piece of the pie. They changed of Jim Scott. and then they changed him back to normal at the very end and it made him seem bipolar. Mm. I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. And, and, and also just the. I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're listening to this now and you're like, oh, but I haven't seen The Office. Well, oh, for God's sake, it's been out for almost, like, five years, I think, the finale, if not longer than that. So, um, tough shit, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it, it's true. Like, okay, so so when Jim and Pam kind of start to get their... Their marriage starts to, you know, be a little bit on the rocks, that sort of stuff... Um, I think that that's a little bit bullshit to us as well because they built it up in such a way. And although they showed it as a real, a very real mm. sort of thing, still it felt a bit bullshit. And what also annoyed me was that um, when we first started to see the camera crew on the show, I hated how instead of it being the camera crew, it became a character. Like, no, they, I didn't, I don't want that. I want it to be, if, if they're going to show them at all, I wanted them to become, they were the camera crew, not one of their friends that they knew throughout the whole time, which sure is interesting in itself, but no, they're the camera crew. They're not meant to be interacted or interactive. It's meant to be they just, handled, they are they in the handled background. They handled that okay though, because they, they, they made the very clear distinction that the crew were not meant to, but one did, and and that that was a problem. Yeah, but then it, but then it, but then it became a whole story in itself that almost felt like it was... It's like they were trying to go down that route and then very quickly changed their mind and made it a very quick thing for one final episode and then they stopped it and kind of almost ignored that thought Yeah, again. because, yeah, they you know learned I mean? their lesson. But I don't think they should have done that. that that's why it got annoying that oh, they Oh, yeah, almost, they're clearly experimenting in the was, last two seasons. To yeah, it almost felt like it was too... Um, concentrated detail on the the camera crew it started off very interesting and just like the first time it happens when suddenly they go is that all you need yep that'll be fine it's like oh my god the crew t spoke and then suddenly it becomes this character and then he gets fired and then we go and visit them and then the camera crew's filming again it's like 
Well, hang on. What's what's going on? Are you filming the filming of this? Like, how many walls well, no, are you he, breaking He's just here? the sound guy. Yeah, I know, but then they followed him. They followed Pam going to his house and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's that like, was... No, but yeah. now they wouldn't do that if they just fired someone on the show. Why would they suddenly do that? Like, that didn't make sense. I liked um, that Jim called in the favor with them. That was... That was, that was good. nice, but and I also that was really sweet actually. And also, I liked how they started getting excited about this TV show being mm. aired. That was cool. How it was there was like a TV show was going to be made within this world of and, this, and that's why that I, cool. I liked that they went meta, that they they full on embraced mm. it because it was something the show hadn't done, but it made perfect sense for them to start doing it and for it to become a thing. And for them to understand that all these years of it and now it was finally going to air, it's a good plot line to use. In the same way that it was clever when Seinfeld went and did the meta thing in their fourth season. It works. Mm. It just needs to be done sparingly. However, one thing that gave me the shits, and I messaged NBC uh, the day that the episode aired, the final episode aired, was that during the one-year reunion thing, when Kelly Erin's parents, yeah. like as in the, the secretary, when her parents came in and said, oh my God, Erin, it's us. It's like, that's not her name. Her name is Kelly. Like, does no one remember the fact that year, the seasons before that, when Idris Elba was on there as Charles Minor, the guy, the character's name was Kelly, and then he kept getting calling out Kelly, and then Kelly Kapoor came in. So then he said, "Okay, what's your name, Kelly?" And then she's, "Oh, what's your middle name?" And she said, "Oh, my middle name's Erin." Okay, I'm going to call you Erin. That's all it was. That's not her name. It was never her name. And suddenly, her biological parents are calling her Erin. Uh, That's I not could, her name. I could issue a counter for that. Mm-hmm. She's been called Erin for so long on the documentary that they watched that they may have felt that she now answered to that name, that she'd chosen to embrace that as the name to to go by and the name she'd be understood as. Obviously, I, I would not assume that her actual parents would have would have gone with that, but maybe for the sake of this they're standing in that big room together with all the other people mm-hmm. around who all know her as Erin predominantly, not as Kelly that they would have just mm. said it for the sake of it. it, it I, I still view it as carelessness on the part, on is, the side of the, it, the writing it, it, team. I, I don't it think is that it is carelessness, but I, it's, it is somewhat forgivable. I can think of a lot worse times where a show has done something far more criminal. I'm looking at you ending of Dexter. Mm. Um, yes. It's not the most horrible thing. No, it's 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 not. But but again, it it it's because it's it's in a long line of carelessness yeah. in the way that they changed the writing. Again, the the way that they when they went meta, they still to me fucked it up a little bit. Like it still wasn't. It became too dramatized from the point of view of them being breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. I didn't like that that it became too dramatized, yeah. and then they got the name wrong. Then they kind of cheaped out on having Andy turn into some psychopath that just backflips and disappears and it's yeah, like i didn't i didn't agree making, with that you're making everyone crap they're just making everyone i thought shit a shit version I of thought themselves andy, jim who andy should yeah. have stayed with aaron 
Also, and Aaron wound up with Pete. Did you notice Pete's hair after the one year? Pete's hair looks like Jim's did in the first season. Yeah, because he's becoming like Jim. He's yeah, he's the yeah. young Jim. I didn't I didn't like the way that they made Jim, who was our kind of fan favorite and like this really nice, interesting guy, become an asshole. And like the the arguing between Pam and Jim didn't seem no. real. Like it didn't seem like it was within the characters, and they just suddenly wrote it in. So it just felt really like fake and open. They only she, redeem him, and so I don't think they, they did only a good redeemed job of it. him in the last four episodes. They brought him back to reality, really. Yeah, but but it was too too late. Not that I don't like Jim at the mm. end, but it's just like you've messed around with the character too much that you've almost ruined him. So yeah, I wasn't too impressed with the last two seasons on a lot of levels. I think that they shouldn't have existed. Um, but yeah, it wasn't bad. But on the whole, I love The Office so I, much. I really um, liked. Um, I liked the casting for Aaron's mum. Joan Cusack that made me that made me happy yeah and and I thought oh even though there are some issues there that was an opportunity they did not waste that was a really sneaky clever bit of casting casting. I yeah I again we're talking about off off um off audio Mm. um or pre-recording about work bus is one of my favorite episodes of the office and also it happens to be and I think the eighth season or maybe ninth season early ninth season yeah one of them um yeah like it's it's long after the the change of format or writing and i love it it's such a good episode um i mean i have highlights throughout the show itself but you know yeah i i love it and even michael scott just surprising you and being like being an idiot but sometimes surprising you and being so smart like the the episodes where he started up his own paper company like, and he just was so savage to Dunham Mifflin and did such a good job and was so smart. It's awesome to see that in him. Like, it's really nice when you see him surprise you a bit. And it's like, oh, Michael Scott's really got and it in him. And when they start weaving footage in the flashbacks in the last two episodes that include him, that it, it yeah. reminds you that he's gone, but his DNA is still woven into that show mm. so, so... I, I, I don't know. It's it's integral to the plot. It it needs him in there in some form, and he was because mm. none of them would be who they were without the imprint of him. Yeah, like it's it's I written thought it was all right over at the Dwight's behavior. When Dwight it's written in yeah. the compassion of Jim. It's integral to Phyllis because. Phyllis went to school with him. She grew up with him. So it's, it's left mm. this lasting impact there. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I loved the way, um, the way they, they wrote Michael back in at the end there as well. That, that was, was really very nice. smooth. And it mm. was clever to was have really him good. there. Just, just enough that it, mm. it made sense. That he, yeah. That he came back. I also thought it was right how Dwight became the manager. Yes. That was right. That was the right decision. Assistant to the assistant to the that. regional manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Yeah, The Office was good. You, what you need to do is watch on YouTube now. There's, uh, they, when the show was um, being aired, uh, or the day before the show aired, the finale aired, they went to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and actually recorded a, like a, a 
kind of fan um, fan day there with all the people from Scranton, PA. And they went to their baseball field and they had all of the cast come out on field and answer questions and stuff like that. It was awesome. I'll have to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Mm, it's great. I watched it on YouTube. But again, I watched that before I watched the episode and it was really good. They showed the whole fan day when they went on a big um, march Aww. or parade down the main strip of Scranton and everything like that. Because they... All the things they referenced in the show were real. And did you know that the theme song is actually cuts of footage that John Krasinski filmed before the show started? Is it really? He went to yeah. He went to Scranton. You know, that, like when you see the Scranton PA sign and yeah. stuff like that, and like the the look down the main strip and the traffic yeah. lights and everything like that. Yeah, that's all film shot by John Krasinski when he went to visit Scranton. Which ties into the perspective yeah. argument. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's why people think that. Yeah. Okay. Now, now really that I cool. finished the show, I've been dying so to discuss this with you. What do you think of Catherine Tate in the show? Um, I thought she was quite good in the corporate setting, like down in Tallahassee, but I didn't think that she was particularly good when she was in the Scranton office. Um, the fact that her character was there pushing kind of Andy out of his job. And just that really blasé kind of ignorant and completely arrogant. I didn't like that. I thought that she was um, too forced on us. I don't mind her as an actor, but I, I thought that her character was, yeah, too forced on us. Bit messy. Um, they couldn't decide what to do with her, could they? Exactly. They ha- they hired her, but they didn't know where to put her. And when she went down to Tallahassee and that's where she was and we saw her there, she kind of fit with that idea of she's corporate, she doesn't really know what's going on in the day-to-day sort of thing or really care, but that's what she's doing. When she was in Scranton, it was kind of like, well, this is unbelievable. Like, this is a bit of a joke. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, am I supposed to like this person or am I supposed to hate this person? With characters like that, Dwight was one of those characters early on where it was kind of like, do I like or do I hate? But you almost kind of liked him because he was an idiot. Now I love Dwight. Like, Dwight's one of my favorite characters. But early on, it was like, uh, am I supposed to like or am I supposed to hate? Catherine Tate, you're like, no, I don't like her because she's just rude and upsetting the kind of dynamic of this family almost that I really like. So I didn't like her on the show. I didn't think that she was a smart choice. I thought she was great. As an actor, but yeah, wrong choice for the show because I didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, I get that. It's interesting. Like, uh, you can see she's giving it her all because mm. she's she's genuinely enjoying it. But she's doing have, the job that she was told to do, probably. Yeah, yeah, but they have no idea how to write her, and it's just ah. Uh, it, it's really frustrating because I've watched her in Doctor Who where she was written perfectly. And was able to utilize her brilliant comedic timing. And then here, it just... It's so frustratingly underwhelming. Yeah. And then, like you said, that corporate setting is perfect for her. Those those few days... The writing's well good for her. Yeah. That that was amazing. And then I I think they kind of found a sweet spot for her for a little bit of season nine there. Once she was no longer gunning for top job and she was just settled in working at her desk, mm. they wove her into the into the family quite nicely, and the subplot of her and Toby was really funny. 
Yeah. Like, I genuinely, I couldn't stop laughing every time the two of them were alone together. I thought that was brilliant. That Toby had just latched onto another redhead and yeah. was just... Uh, one thing One thing I didn't... I also didn't appreciate from the writing was, and I completely forgot about it, that's how little I care about it, was the fact that she then suddenly... There was that whole subplot of her wanting to have a child or adopt... Yeah, and then they and 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 they they almost made you want to feel sorry for her, but at the same time, what do you mean feel sorry for? Her? We saw what she was doing to Andy, and Andy was just so distraught about it, like, nah, forget this. Like, why should mm. I help you if you just did that to me? I I had no remorse for her at all, but suddenly you were meant to be like, oh, the poor thing. Like, I feel so sorry for her. Like, what are you trying to do, writers? Like, what do you? What a mess of. Like, what happened to the writing of the show? It just kept turning backwards and forwards and flipping on its head and then back again, and then, and inside then, and out. It- and then, honestly, those last four episodes, you have the good writing come back in, and they actually, mm. they correct, they course correct everyone by the end of that final episode. Yeah, so which, it's almost like, well, what was the point of the whole middle of yeah. the night? They should have just done one more season and yeah. cut out all the bullshit. Yeah, because even, even giving her Ryan's child, that was... That was exquisite, mm. but even better than that for me was the fact that one year later she was back in corporate world, but in Poland. Yeah, I yeah, loved that. Like, I loved yeah. that they snapped her back into this sassy power woman role that she'd originated, that mm. she had found herself back there again, and that now she she managed to complete her journey by the end of that episode. That yeah. was really good. That was sharp writing. That was what made me love The Office to begin with. And that they mm. did that for everyone. That Ryan and Kelly got their their silly yeah. ending. That, yeah. that Michael got to see the team grow and mature without him, which was something that terrified him, that, that, that it couldn't mm. happen without him there. But it did. That Dwight... And Angela got their correct ending and that Angela grew as a person, that mm. she changed and acknowledged things that she never did before. There was there was a single moment in that last episode between her and Jenna Fisher where they 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 sort of nudged each other and were smiling and laughing and I yeah. thought nine years it took for that tiny, minuscule little moment to become a reality, but it was so well earned. Yeah. Because I, I, they, I completely agree. They took their time to develop their characters. And Angela is such a hard character to to break and to break down. And they finally did it with her within the last two seasons. Mm. It's interesting. They they did so much wrong in those seasons, but there were little glimmers of things that they did bloody well. Which is which makes those last two seasons even more frustrating and, oh, and to me harder to like because it's like you you have these gems but you just surround it with almost garbage and you built on characters that we didn't care about and you kind of ruined characters that we do care about so it was just yeah a bit bit frustrating very very frustrating because there was some real quality to it but you know that's what happens sometimes I guess so what happens when they give too long for a TV show. But anyway. And now they're talking about bringing it back somehow. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if it will happen. I mean, now that you've watched it, you could... Do you see how I don't... I'm, I'm sceptical of how they'll bring it back? It'll feel like Scrubs. The only difference is they've had time to think about it. Mm. 
and it's yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's I don't know. I yeah. I've I've spoken before about my opinion on the continuation of Scrubs and that season the show could the show could still be running now it would have been fine but mm. they shot themselves in the foot because they should have either ended it at season 8 or given them season 10 you yeah. can't introduce new characters to us and give it one and, season and expect everyone to instantly like them after one season it doesn't work original no. the first season of scrubs was some kind of weird breakout hit but it wasn't massive scrubs flew in season 2 and that's what it needed for its new cast. Yeah, the fact that they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Scrubs has turned Scrubs turned into a, a sad mess as well. That that was unfortunate. Scrubs it didn't need to. Scrubs has one one bad season, and that's season seven. And the issue the issue there was that NBC really wanted to axe them. ABC took them on. ABC made the show anyway, so I, I don't mm. understand the issue. But they gave them a half season. They aired the episodes out of order, and they cut NBC and ABC between them. They cut the season mm. while they were prepping to film the other half of the season. And so the last episode of the season is Cox reading his kid a fantasy story to put him to bed that makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't actually link into the season in any way, shape, or form. It's mm. not a finale. Mm. But season eight is so perfect from first episode to last that it redeems it somehow. That's interesting. I've, That's ne interesting. I've never understood that. Season eight is, to me, it's a perfect season of Scrubs in the same way season two is. Hmm. Oh yeah, interesting. I'll have to go back and rewatch Scrubs because yeah. It, uh... So so why when I get my season one back? <laughs> yes. No, no. Someone it's... has to watch it. Well, no, no. D did you not hear what we were told the other night? No, I that, must have zoned out. Um, they will be watching it together. Okay. Oh, oh, yes. Better happen. Better oh, happen. Yes. I, I assume it will now. Hmm. It's good when they get it back, um, get it back to me, and I give them season two. I will begin season one again. No, because you'll then be waiting for them to finish season two. We'll you see. should wait. You should wait a long time after that. I'll try. <laughs> I'll yeah. try. I've got other shows to watch. I've um, I've just re um, restarted the ranch because the new season just went up. Uh huh. I have also made a made a very. Um, a very definite commitment to finally watch Broadchurch mm -hmm. because I've been pestered for the last few years to watch it and it's been on my radar since before it came out but I just never got mm -hmm. around to it. Well, I, I learned that some family friends are actually watching The Last of... Uh, sorry, The Last of Us. The Walking Dead. And I've been meaning to find someone that watches The Walking Dead. And there we go, they're watching The Walking Dead. So when I get back from my adventures, I'll uh, be asking about that. And see how they're going with that. So that's very, very cool. They're flying through it, which is awesome. Proper binge watch. I um, see. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, we spoke earlier um, where you referenced um, Dearest Svenja and uh, time travel of sorts. And that was, of course, in reference to the fact that we did show her for the first time Back to the Future. Yes, we did. No, yes, we did. God, all, and that all was I could, good to watch. All I could think of throughout the film was 
we gotta not quote it we've gotta not be annoying we've gotta try and just let mm-hmm. her watch the film properly without us being our usual selves I think we did well, though. I think we did really well. I think I, I think I only quoted ahead of the line once the entire movie. Well, see, see, I can do that. I can do that. It's like going to the cinemas. I can, I can sit there and just enjoy something again, even though I've seen it a million times. I can do that. Oh, of course. And, and of course, because I'm away at the moment, and then she's going away half and half. I think she'll be away when this episode comes out. Yeah, she will be. Yep. I think. Yeah, because of that. Then there's. As you said it, and I didn't know this until um, two weeks ago and we did the um, top ten movies, that number one came out, then years later, two and three came out. So this is good. As you said, when we watched this the other night, when we recorded the other night for when we recorded this, <laughs> when when we both are back, we can then watch two and three in one go. I am so keen for that. Yeah, absolutely. I love those films with a very deep passion why why does why why does three annoy you no there's the the cat i'm not going to talk about it because she hasn't seen it and she'll probably listen to this but that's fair there's someone in the third one that annoys me because they're an idiot i found out i I read an interview with christopher lloyd the other day where Mm. he said that the third one is his favorite which makes perfect sense Mm. But yeah, yeah, I, I found that fun. I, don't I know. find it. I I love that. I love the the different. I love that they showed the same place through different years. Yeah, I really like that about the movie. They're very clever, and you know, I'm I'm very I'm very open to reboots, remakes, sequels, prequels, whatever else, continuing stories in Hollywood, and and you know, there's so much of it. And generally, I'm very forgiving of the fact that they do it. Mm. But I hope they never, ever, ever touch Back to the Future. They couldn't. They wouldn't. They closed it off perfectly at the end. Exactly. And on top of that, um, it was written into their contracts. Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, the um, director, writer, Mm. slash producers, they wrote it into their contracts with both Universal and Amblin that nothing could ever happen with Back to the Future without their approval. Good. And Don't you love it when people actually take pride in their thing? They they got it written into their contracts, so nothing can happen at, the, at least until after they're both dead. Mm. And then on top of that, they're still... They're also working with their estates to make sure that even after they die that nothing happens with it then. Good, because it will ruin it. It would. And... and <laughs> I read a really funny interview with Bob Gale where he, he he said that basically trying to redo it would be like trying to remake Citizen Kane, and I love yeah, it I love that he compared sense. it to Citizen Kane. <laughs> but it, but it, yeah, yeah, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It's not the same. There's not the same foresight for the future as there is now. No, or there was back then. I think back, it would just back then there was sense. a lot of hope for the future. These days, it's a very bleak outlook. Yeah, but I and we it's it's we've discussed it on the show before. But that idea that our outlook for the future is almost now quite mundane and not very special. Whereas before it was, oh, there's gonna be flying cars and there's gonna be this and there's gonna be that and there's gonna be you know everything's amazing and people are gonna be amazed by um, virtual reality. Yeah, there is that kind of thing at the moment, but it's not very 
It's not... There's, like, if I think to the future, I don't think I have as zany or wacky kind of thoughts or such massive dreams compared to what was the expectation for the future now or back then. What I found interesting is that there's been so many people in the last 12 months that have claimed that they are time travelers that have come back. Yeah. Have you noticed how many of those stories have popped up in the last 12 months? Yeah. It's also interesting because crappy news, things like that are giving that sort of thing attention. It's all this shit, not fake news because it's not fake news. It's just shit news. Things like lad Bible and crap like that, that sort of shitty information kind of clickbait bullshit is giving attention to these sorts of stories so that we're hearing more and more about that. But, you know, it'd be mm. interesting. I find those things fascinating, but they don't give the facts to be able to confirm stuff or make it plausible. I wish it was plausible. I wish it would happen. And speaking of time travel, we had this discussion the other night as well. When, we did. If, if you could, I'll pose this question and then you can ask it of me. If you could go back once... Not forward in time, but back in time, and only once. Where would you go back in time to? See, I think I know my answer to this question, but it also begs a question: How long could I be there? Uh, let's say. Am I stuck there forever? Do I get to come back to the future? You come back. You come back. You've got five hours. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it slightly more difficult. Oh, damn. Well, let's see. There's nothing really interesting in Australian history for no, me. No, no, except- but, but but you're also not tied... To, I, I'm just going to change it up a bit. You're not tied to this exact point. You don't have to go back to exactly where I f- you are. I figured, I figured, because mm-hmm. realistically, I live on what used to be swamp land. And also, Australia is quite dull in its history. It it is. I don't. I think I'd, I'd be interested in seeing the landing of the first fleet, or maybe Ned Kelly at, at the peak of his. Um, yeah. You know, but other than that, nothing quite captures me here. Um, the Declaration of Independence would be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, King Arthur would be very interesting. Joan of Arc. Um. I spent my part of my day today reading about Victor Hugo. I'd be interested in going back to the time when he would have written Les Mis and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That would be very interesting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but the answer I gave you the other day, but that would be more on the assumption that I could spend a week or a month or a couple of months, would be the 60s. Was that? Yeah, the 60s. I, I would love to go back to the 60s. Or, or, um, or into the 80s and be able to see mm. Queen live. Yeah. That that would be an incredible opportunity. Queen yeah, or the sure. Beatles? It always comes back to music with us. We <laughs> we were talking about a um a music themed episode for this mm. episode, but we it's couldn't quite hard. Yeah. We we know we've been giving you top tens for the last two weeks, but when it came down to trying to come up with a top ten of music in some format, we could not settle on it because neither of us felt comfortable doing it because for us music is constantly changing and very subjective yeah um, absolutely i don't know i don't know where i would go i there's too many options that that i find interesting uh five hours maybe i'd spend five hours on the titanic 
Yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It would kind of... Realistically, that that could actually be my answer. Five hours on the Titanic. That's the amount of time I would need to go through the entire ship. I'd be off there before the ship sank. Yes. Maybe... Ooh. Would you be there at the time it hit the iceberg hits and maybe leave like half an hour after? I don't know. Possibly. That, that would be interesting, but I think... I'd feel this tremendous amount of guilt knowing that I am fleeing the sinking ship. <laughs> mm. But also, you'd, you'd, but you'd, it would be fascinating as well. Oh, yeah. 100% it would. And to be able to see how it actually happened. And, 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 look at, and you'd be able to look at it from this... Nowhere. Yeah, you'd be able to look at it from this distant point of view of, well, you know, I'm not going to be plundering here so i can kind of i can look at this with interest kind of thing as sad as it is however that the, the the titanic disaster did lead to so many safety things so even if i think even if you had the chance to kind of say there's an iceberg ahead turn you wouldn't one because you don't change the past and two because we wouldn't have so many safety features if it wasn't for that disaster exactly you know, um, you have to let it be Maybe I'd go to Pompeii five hours before Vesuvius erupts. Oh, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Just or be able to be there from a distance and watch the It'd catastrophe occur. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh man, there's so many interesting choices, isn't there? Hmm. Uh, could go back to the time of the Incas. That would be. I'd really like to cool. see them make. I'd like to see them make, make um, Stonehenge. The- yeah, see how Stonehenge came to And be. then you can come back and be like, I know how that happens. They say, oh, how did that happen? I can tell you. Um, seeing the Beatles take the photo of them crossing the pavement at Abbey Road. Crossing mm. the road. Taking that photo. Do you, re- do you reckon if you went back to, to the time of dinosaurs, would you be rather disappointed with the way that they really looked? I don't know. Um, like, do you I, reckon if the, the T-Rex was all feathered, for example, would you be like, ah, Jurassic Park had it better? Uh, I think I would. I think I would be, I'd be shocked and like, oh my God, this is what they look like. There is a dinosaur in front of me. But I don't know. I feel, If it look, was all feathery and looked a bit like a dopey fluff chicken, I think I'd just be a bit I, underwhelmed. I've worked- I'd love to hear what they sound like, though, because we don't, we don't yeah, know what that, they sounded like. That would be fascinating. I don't know, Feathered T-Rex. I have worked on one feature film, and that is that feature film happens to be the only feature film that shows a feathered T-Rex. And but do we know if it was... But but what if it had more feathers than that even? What if it looked like a chicken almost? It'd just be like, ah, eh, this looks a bit pathetic. Well, that's and imagine if it clucked like a chicken. Well, that's kind of what the what the Velociraptor... They, they worked out that the Velociraptor had a lot more in common with the chicken. Yeah, and, and also, so size-wise, they were the size of like an enlarged chicken. I, I, just, I just watched a YouTube... I know YouTube isn't facts and everything like that, but I just watched a video on that, which, which that's true. The... Velociraptor Mongolus looked like was tiny and blah 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 blah. It was small, looked like a chicken, more comparable to a chicken. Yep, very different. There was another one which was called the uh, I can't remember what its name was. There's another dinosaur that the, the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park was actually modeled off of. Yeah, which is a which, similar family. Which has the name for a long time was given the name Velociraptor 
Indiana or something like that. Yeah. So still a Velociraptor. So it still counts. And apparently in the book, Crichton's book, which I haven't read and I really want to read now, it does talk about that, how it's based off of that dinosaur, which has this other name, which was originally called the Velociraptor Indiana or something like that. So yeah, they do mention it though. It's just people go off the movie where they go, well, that's not it. They, they cover that in the book. It's covered. If I can find it, do you want to borrow my copy of the book for your trip? I don't know if I'll... I won't see you before the trip. No, you won't. That's okay. I'll get maybe, it after. Maybe for the America trip. Yeah, exactly. I'm taking two books with me to... to or three books with me to India on my trip that I'm on now anyway. Um, yes. But yeah, so... Uh, also, the air. I was just... I've been thinking about this. So the air we're used to now is quite polluted. Like it is. It's, mm. it's not very healthy air. And when you go to the countryside, you go, ah, oh, fresh air. If you went that far back in time, would the air be of a different makeup or is it still oxygen as we know? Or st- are we still breathing in the same air as today, except so much cleaner? Would you feel almost overwhelmed with breath back there, back then, because the air is so clean? But would it be there's that no clean? People. Yeah, there's, yeah there's no people. But there's no there's... pollution. Yeah. And also, word, the other thing that I'd love to know is, I know that dinosaurs were over such a long period and, you know, they weren't stegosauruses running around with T-Rexes and stuff at the same time. I know that they were of completely different times, millions of years apart. But how populated was the Earth? Was it sprawling with dinosaurs to the point where, you know, Sydney has 5 million people? Were there dinosaurs to that quantity in the kind of same land area as, like, Australia or Sydney or New South Wales, like not necessarily here because this is where they hung out. But do you know what I mean? Like, were there the same number of dinosaurs on the planet the same at, at once as there were as there are now people? Where there's seven billion people or something like that? Were I there fe- seven mil- seven billion dinosaurs I at feel, once? I feel like there was a good portion, but uh, it gets tricky because you and I have differing views on on time and. <laughs> where yeah, dinosaurs fit in with this of course um but i i think that population density would was equivalent but i i think that there were a lot more animals than people whereas now the tables have turned somewhat mm. or, or at least in particular areas there are obviously a lot more people than there are animals but yeah, I, I think population density would have been the same. I, I think it's always been pretty consistent on the earth. That's interesting. That's cool. That's cool. You know what movie I just I just went back to just quickly breaking off from the time travel thing. Do you remember that Disney movie Dinosaur? I have with never, the Allosaurus? Yeah, I've never seen it. I see I remembered it for some reason last night. Oh, I was looking up the Cerat- um Ceratosaurus. And I was like, "What? where have I seen a Ceratosaurus before? It was in Jurassic Park 3, like very briefly. Where was it before? And it was in, it was almost used in Dinosaur. And I was like, oh my God, like I forgot about this movie. And I went back and watched so many clips of it on YouTube last night. And it was like total nostalgia. I completely forgot about it. But Is it a good yeah, movie? Very interesting. Um... <sighs> Yeah, it's okay. It look, it's not. 
I am a. It massive... was cool. No, it was cool. It was cool. I liked it. I'm a massive Disney file, but I have never seen it. It was interesting. It was. It was not that great animation, but it was over kind of real life filming. The animation was all I heard about when it came out. That was all anyone was talking about. Yeah. Was it. Which, which was, look, it, it is okay. It's pretty, it, it still stands up a little bit. It's, it feels quite animated, especially when you look at the surroundings. So what they basically did was, by the looks of it, was film locations and, like, travel, like, panning the camera across. And then they animated the dinosaurs over the top of that, walking through this real-life environment. So, yeah, it's interesting like that, but the dinosaurs do look quite animated over the top of it. But, no, look, still it's still good. It does hold up. It's cool. It's good. Watch it. I'll, I'll I'll get to it. it. It came up in conversation. I, I was out the other week with a very dear friend of mine who happens to be an even bigger Disney file than me. Um, mm. It's probably the biggest Disney nut I know. And we're, we're at Coles in Katoomba, of all places. Mm. And we're looking at the DVDs and there was Dinosaur. And she's like, oh, Dinosaur. I said, yeah, I've, I've never seen it. And I got, I got the weirdest look for it. <laughs> I felt really bad. I thought, okay, I, be- I better get onto it soon. Soon. Yeah, you should watch it. I, I will. I will. I, d- I do need to eventually get around to it. And it's but- a kids' movie, of course. So you can show it with the young pup. Yes, good plan. Um, mm. Very good plan. But yeah, I yeah. Where would where would you go? Yeah, it's, see, you, it is. It's, it's tough, isn't it? Well, like I said the other day, I would go back to, one, to not ruin my kind of, as interested as I am in finding out about dinosaurs and that sort of thing, and it's like, I would want to go back to then. If I was going way back, that's how far back I'd be going. Um, at the same time, it's kind of kind of interesting to have this kind of ignorance or this, this desire for information and not be able to get it because we don't know it doesn't it it sort of doesn't disturb that sort of thought of it of dinosaurs Mm. so i don't know if i would want to go back there especially if i can only spend limited time there i'd want to spend years back there investigating so i guess the other one would be um uh, it'd, it'd be i think one of two things i think it would be either going back to my childhood 1994 1995 and seeing what my home was like back then and the environment and because you've got pictures of with memories i try to paint the picture as perfect as i can i'm sure like everyone does you try to paint the environment and make references to things and you know even if you're reminiscing and you're standing in your childhood backyard or something like that you're trying to reminisce what it looked like and everything like that if it looks totally different i would love to go back and at least paint that picture paint the picture of and and have a vivid current image of what everything looked back there what was down the street what was around the corner what did the houses across the road look like what did my house look like what did my room look like um what did the people in it what did i look like that kind of stuff and to be able to look at that sort of thing and then that means that i can probably focus more on just reminiscing about the event a little bit more so yeah either that so going back to my childhood or another one that i just thought of because I've been to New York, again, I'm looking at the US flag here, which I'm not going to name the states, but I'm looking at the flag. That, or going back to, like, 2001, and being there on September 11, when the planes hit, just to, as kind of morbid as that is, that event kind of shaped the world that we know it, 
for us in the Western world. So I think to go back to something like that would be interesting. And I've been yeah. there, so I know what so I know what the place looks like, and I've stood there at the memorial, and I can't believe how even affected I was. I didn't cry, but you just get so taken aback by how hushed it is in such a busy city, standing there in front of these things, to see such a massive kind of event. Like, it's such a real event because it's a city, and it's like, it's in the Western world, and we live in the Western world, and to have your home a place where something like that shouldn't happen happen to have a city like that hit by something like that i think would be so powerful to be there to see i've seen footage of it but to be there would be something completely different yeah so maybe that i could imagine um back to the dinosaurs for a second i'm not sure if you um i'm not sure if you read the article about a mummified dinosaur that was discovered what no what yeah i'm um sending you the link right now so that you can thank you uh quickly brush up on the information but a mummified dinosaur was discovered where um uh, for the life of me i cannot remember right now this is the best it's a national geographic article too which thank goodness it's not some shitty clickbait the amazing dinosaur found accidentally by miners in canada known as a Nodosaur, this 110 million year old armored plant eater is the best preserved fossil of its kind ever found. Holy shit. Yeah. Was carving a heavy equipment operator named Sean was carving his way through the earth, unaware that he would soon meet a dragon. I don't care about how his day started. It was the only ancient life he regularly... 12 years of digging, he had stumbled across fossilized wood, an occasional petrified tree stump, never the remains of an animal, and certainly no dinosaurs. Uh, At around 1.30, Sean's bucket clipped something much harder than the surrounding rock. Oddly cut lumps tumbled out of the till. Bank below. Mike Grattan... Were they strips of fossilized wood or were they ribs? And they turned out to... Some of the lumps turned out to have bizarre pattern. Row after row of sandy brown discs, each ringed in gunmetal grey stone. Right away, Mike was like, we've got to get this checked out. Um, holy shit. It's... This is proper, like, dinosaur skin. <laughs> like armor. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying, isn't it? That's crazy. But in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I thought you'd find that one quite interesting. I wonder what they can... I'll have proper read of that. I wonder what they can do with that. Yeah. Well, it's on display now for the public. Hell yeah. It's taken them eight years to get it all prepped and ready, but it's now on display for the public. I was watching just just um, last night at the time of recording this, um, John Oliver's Last Week Tonight... And, or last week's night with John Oliver, I should say. And uh, they were talking about um, DNA altering and how scientists are really close to, you know, being able to clone a woolly mammoth. They're putting in the, excuse me, the DNA from a woolly mammoth into an Asian elephant. And yep. they showed renders of what it would kind of look like. And John Oliver likened it to, it's just an elephant, but done wrong. Because it's not, they are still 
despite the fact they're saying, oh, we're wait, only a couple of years away. Well, they're actually a lot longer than that away. From from understanding this technology and being able to do this sort of stuff of cloning, bringing back to life animals that are long, no longer around, that's they the, have so much to do. That's the Ian Malcolm quote. They yeah. Was, they were so busy thinking about whether or not they could do it, they didn't stop to think about whether they should. And before mm. they'd even worked it out, they'd packaged it and... Slapped a, yeah. yeah, slapped a sticker on it, and it's on a lunch box, lunch box, and it's patented. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, you know, they're talking about the woolly mammoth, but at the same time, as soon as that's actually done, their next port of call is the Tasmanian tiger. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's quite a terrifying notion that they are toying around with this, and we all watch it in the movies and go, "Oh, it's the cautionary tale," but they'll never really do it. They are doing it right now. Mm. Yeah, it's happening. It's a very worrying thought. It is. Um, well, if mm. I look at the time here... It's time to tell people about whether or not they want to be on the show. Yes, it is, of course. If you'd like to be on the show, feel free to leave us a link at the or a comment on the Facebook page or just ask us in person if you want to, really, um, which is perfectly fine. We'd happy, happily have you on the show. And of course, if you're on the show, you're in a very, you're in with, Jesus, am I having a stroke or something? You're in with a very, <laughs> you're in with a very good chance of uh, being awarded the Sick Kent of the Week. Woo! Of course, that's only if you're on once. If you're on a second time, well, we'll have to see. Um, if you're on a so, third time, then... Uh... Well, then no chance. If you're denied, let us get to this week's <laughs> Sick Kent of the Week. Uh, of course, as always, we have absolutely no idea because I haven't thought about it one little bit till about a minute ago. I have two people, and they should okay. both get it together. Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. That's what I was thinking! Yeah! Done. Good. I love it. Yeah, that's good. I was going to go for that. I'm glad you said it. Good. Okay. Well done. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, you are this week's Sick Kents of the Week. Welcome to the club. Well done. And not a moment too soon. No. Ah, feels good. Great Scott. Marty! Oh! I love all of Christopher Lloyd's weird facial expressions. I love him in the Adams family as Uncle Fester. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. As soon as the light bulb goes in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, it's been a good great stuff. week. Um, of course. Or it will be a great week in three weeks. Or three mm-hmm. weeks ago, mm-hmm. you tell us. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Yep, but uh, I, can, I can I can hear our um, our old mate DJ Quads uh, uh-huh. queuing us off the show. Yes, this is the first week of a new song, I believe. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. The way of well, the way I've been editing all the episodes. Yes, this is the first week of a new song. I'll take yes. your word for it. <laughs> Yes. But um, we, we've we got one more week ahead of you being absent, and then your triumphant return. Uh, precisely. And of course, well, you're back too, because we're also both here. Oh, always. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. That was real clever. Anyway. Uh, yep. Thank you.
what? 